Progressive presents The Sounds of the Old World. The year is 2019, and someone is waiting for a table at a restaurant. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party of four. Thompson, party... Oh, there you are. This has been The Sounds of the Old World. Brought to you by Progressive, where drivers can still switch and save like it's 2019. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Hey guys, welcome to this episode of the Inside Line Formula 1 podcast. And Kunal, I have a complaint. You promised me a summer break not so long ago. And it's like, it's barely been a summer break at all, yeah? Yes, but you can't be blaming me, you know. we got to blame the likes of Daniel Ricciardo, Fernando Alonso and now McLaren because no one seems to be honouring what is called the break in the summer break this season. It's more like summer breaking news. <laughs> you know, I, I, I remember we, I just like landed into Greece and then suddenly I read this announcement that Dandrick is leaving Red Bull Racing and it was like, oh my god, what's going on? I think that was like the only moment when I did not like Dandrick that much. <laughs> In the case of Daniel Ricciardo, it wasn't a summer break, it was a summer breakup. But <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so this is actually a very special episode this week and not because we are recording in the middle of the summer break, but because we are commemorating... James Hunt. It's been 25 years since he passed away and it is actually such a coincidence that on a day when McLaren made an announcement, we were actually scheduled to meet and record this episode. Yeah, that's that's damn true, Kunal. Uh, so guys, you know, I've been following the sport uh, since the early 2000s and I think it was thanks to the movie Rush that I got to know of the 1976 world champion uh, James Hunt and I think it might probably be true for a lot of you guys. It was such a great movie, but more importantly, what a star, what a personality. Yes, absolutely. And, you know, it, it, it the movie itself was so well uh, n- narrated that it brought more interest in who Nikki Lauda and James Hunt were in the paddock. And, uh, you know, to, to, to commemorate James's life and career in Formula One, we actually spoke to his son, Freddie Hunt. And we will feature his interview in today's episode. So stay tuned, guys. Ooh, fantastic. So Kunal, this is the kind of news and content that I like to come back to whilst in the middle of the summer break. <laughs> so thank you for making it bearable. You need to let go. You need to remember there isn't a summer break in 2018. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm really hoping that you asked Freddie about James's funniest moments in Formula One, you know, since we're like the... Inside Line Formula One podcast and all of that. (laughs) I actually did so. So you guys will have to stay tuned to hear what Freddie had to to share with all of us. And uh, so here's my conversation with Freddie. We spoke over Skype and pardon the audio quality a little bit if it goes a little haywire. Okay, so I'm going to start with the section where we'll have you speak about your dad and... uh, uh, you know, I, I was really interested in the movie Rush because I thought that uh, it was so well shot. It was so well explained. And I think that that movie made your dad more famous than he would have been in this generation. Okay. 
And uh, the parallel that I would actually draw is, you know, how social media has been used as a tool by Lewis Hamilton to build his own, you know, brand image. So do you, do you believe that uh, Rush has actually helped make your dad more famous in the current generation? Absolutely, 100%. Um, uh, the best best example of this was um, there's a friend of mine who, who's a teacher at school and one, one of his pupils there, I think it was only 12 years old or 13 years old, and he's James Hunt fanatic, and that was because he saw the movie, and then since then he's looked up to see who James Hunt is, and he's become a crazy fan. Uh, and I don't don't think without the movie, and that would have, would have never have happened. So, is what the movie has done is it's 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 shown well the the, other, the younger generation, my generation, and even younger that, that who, who he was, and and as a result, he's got a much bigger fan base now um, that, that the younger guys would never have known about before. So it's done. Yeah, it's done wonders to his, uh, for his for his profile for sure. And it's it's really interesting you say that as well because you know you were fairly young when your dad passed away, and you know a lot of these stories that we keep hearing are from people who raced against him, people who he drove for, people who worked alongside him. Okay, but how was it for you as as a son? You know, I mean, how how did you get to know of his legacy and his stories while growing up? What was your source of information on your father? Well, the, the majority of it's been in, has been learnt since I started racing. Um, so, ten, eleven years ago now. Um, when I was when I was very small, I was yeah completely unaware that Dad was who he was. And I think by the so I was nearly six when he died, and I think by the age of ten, I was begun to understood that Dad, my Dad, was slightly different to other people's dads. <laughs> um, there was there, you know, he was something something special but I didn't know what and to me it was just he was still just dad and I, and I, had, I had enough problems on my own plate to worry about myself and think about other things <laughs> <laughs> um, so again you know it was, it was just just dad and he sounded a bit special as I got you know, a little bit older I think I must have been I can't remember it was at the Google Festival Speed I'm thinking about when dad well, when Uncle Dave drove dad Hes- dad's Hesketh and judging by the photo of me I was probably about 12 or 13 then Mm-hmm. Uh, and that again, that was a bit of an eye opener by the the amount of people surrounding the car and you know the journalists and photographers and everything. Um, I learned a bit more then, but I didn't it didn't really sink home until I started driving. And then since driving, the amount of people I've met who knew my father, that's when I really started learning more and more about him. And I mean, you know, given given that there are still so many so many stories that keep coming out. You know, any story of late that's made you go like, oh, no, that's one side of dad's I didn't know yet. Um, not really, no. I mean, I think I've got a pretty good, a good grasp of, of, his, of his character now. And there's not many things he could have done which I could hear about that would surprise me, to be honest. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll tell you one story that I was actually surprised about when I was doing my research, you know, for for our uh, for our episode. And I read that your dad actually played cricket, which is of course a very popular sport in India, where I come from. Uh, he played football and he even played tennis as a child. And you know, maybe that's where the first uh, uh, you know first generation of Formula One drivers who are actual athletes came out of. Dad was a born and bred natural athlete. But single, single, you know, singular sports. So running, tennis, squash, 
um, etc. Yes, he played football and he played rugby at school and stuff like that, yeah, and cricket. But his main his main ones were were, were, te- were tennis and squash and running. Um, and he was actually he was a, he was a very serious tennis player and a, and a very serious squash player um, to a very high level. I mean, he could he I think he played junior Wimbledon. He was just um, a naturally gifted athlete. You know, and got golf when when he retired from racing, he, he he took up golf. And him being him, you know, he had to be good at it. He couldn't just <laughs> just mosey around and you know get round in thirty and lose a few balls. You know, he had to be a, a respectable player despite his hideous swing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so he had that single-minded determination, uh, but he wasn't much of a. I'm not going to say he wasn't a team player. Mm-hmm. He was, yeah, you know, sort of employing some sort of loner. He he was just the sports that he chose that he was best at were singular sports. Um, that but I, cr- cricket cricket is very much a team game, but it's also quite 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 singular. You know, when you're True. batting um, or you're bowling, it's only you involved. Absolutely. And when you're fielding, you know, five out of five out of six balls, you're, <laughs> you're not doing anything. You're watching and you're waiting. But actually, reality is, when you're fielding, most of the time you're just watching and being and you know, re- re- ma- maintaining your guard. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's true. And I don't know if you're following the latest uh, India versus England series, where uh, the 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 English team is of course given a beating to the the Indian team. So I'm not sure if you're a big follower of cricket yourself. To be honest, I don't, I don't, I don't dislike it. I don't dislike any sport. I'm not a great fan of football, but I don't watch many sports. Um, you know, I, the snook, snooker I love, and when it, depending on who's playing, then I'll, I'll, I'll watch a, a bit of that. But I've always, been, I've always liked snooker. And you know, if there's a, there's a big cricket match on and I'm not doing anything else, then I'll watch it. But I won't think, oh, I've got to get home for three o'clock to watch the game. <laughs> That's interesting you meant snooker because one of my closest friends, he is uh, he's a 19 times world champion when it comes to billiards and snooker. I, I don't know if you've heard of his name, Pankaj Advani. Okay. Uh, he played on the British uh, Pro Tour, I think, two years, uh, about five or seven years ago. But now he plays the IBSF Tour. I think he's got 18 billiards titles and one snooker title. So... Since yeah, so he's he's a big uh, he's a big name in the in in the sports industry globally, and I consider uh, myself lucky to have a dear friend in him. Yeah, no, that's that's, that's <laughs> pretty awesome. Yeah, to play the player that degree, I think it's incredible. One thing I, I res- love and respect about snooker is how difficult it is. And I, I think the top top players, the guy that's the guys that can achieve a one four seven in competition, mm-hmm. I think it's one of the greatest sporting achievements ever that that there can be. I think it's so difficult. Um, and it's so mentally straining. I've got a lot of, lot of respect for anyone that can do that. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely, I, I would, I would definitely, uh, you know, agree with that. But since we are talking of incredible athletes, you know, we know the connection that your dad had with Mika Hakkinen and his career. And uh, you know, Hakkinen was uh, on our show a few episodes ago, and uh, he said that you know there was actually a female kart racer during his junior days of racing. That was his most fierce rival in motorsport. Now, yeah, he actually said that. And, you know, we were actually really surprised. And he was so proud that, you know, he was finding it tough to beat a female racer. And then he himself was wondering where she ended up racing after. Okay, but in in a similar realm, you know, outside of Formula One, but in the world of motorsport. Would you know who your dad rated as one of his fiercest competitors? Well, yeah, the answer is no. There's, there's two people I can say, but they're not outside of Formula One. One was 
Ronnie Peterson, who's a great friend of Dad's, mm-hmm. I think Dad, I, I, get, I gather from what I've read, I think he was, Dad thought he was you know, the best out there, mm-hmm. the, best, the best driver out there. And then another, another driver was Gilles Villeneuve. Um, of course. I had raced against him in the former Atlantic in 1976, and I think Dad was second or third in the race but um Gilles just just pissed off into the distance uh and dad said he'd never seen anything like it uh and he said that's when he he rang up um Teddy Mayer you know the boss of the manager of McLaren said you need to get this guy in a Formula One car like right now right Uh, so Teddy did and and I don't know if you know the story it was at the British Grand Prix I think now it's in 77 and uh, he did a hell of a hell of a job. He actually came he, he came in because the the the, um, uh, the water temperature was saying was was overheating. But then as he came in, it was just the gauge was wrong. So they sent him back out, and he came up behind behind the leaders. Dad was one of them, like three or four. He came out. He was a few laps down, but he was right behind the leaders, and he stuck with the leaders for the for the rest of the race. <laughs> and his first ever Formula One. So he was an incredibly fast driver. Um, then unfortunately, McLaren were too slow with the contract, and Ferrari got him. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's always the story of Formula One these days, and how Max Verstappen and Red Bull Racing, uh, you know, caught him before anyone else could. Mm, yeah, but uh, it's it's uh, you know, so the the Inside Line F1 podcast, like you know, I've told you before, is you know, we we try and add humor to the sport and business of Formula One. So. Any funny story or incident uh, about your dad that you know you've been told that you'd like to share with our listeners? Well, a great, a great story. I had. It's not. It's not. It's not a funny story. But mm-hmm. you know, I hear the odd. You know, I hear stories all the time. But then the odd one really sticks out. I met someone the other day. Who's it was? A new new neighbour of mine since I moved down to this part of the country. Mm-hmm. And um, years ago, I think where where were they? They were. I think this was just after Dad had retired. And they were somewhere like the Channel Islands or something like that. Um, anyway, there was a car accident, not with Dad in it. Um, this was my, f- my the guy telling the story was his girlfriend at the time, mm-hmm. ex-girlfriend, who's still a very good friend of his. Anyway, they were all drinking and they had a car accident. And she was in real bad shape and she was about to lose her arm. They wanted to operate uh, oh. to take her arm off. And they were saying absolutely not, but the, but the, the police wouldn't let them leave because they're so you know they've been drinking too much. Um, so Dad thought, shit, what do I do? Dad called, I think it, it was the Formula it was the Formula One or the McLaren. I think it was the Formula One medic. Mm-hmm. We then flew a helicopter. They got a helicopter to come and rescue her from the heli- from from the from the hospital there. And she still has her arm now. They didn't amputate it, but but the doctors there wanted to chop it off. And so, thanks to Dad, this lady managed to keep her arm. So I thought that was a that was a wonderful story. Yes, that is. Thank you, thank you, thanks for sharing that with uh, with us. And now I'd like to move on to you know your career as a professional racing car driver. And uh, the most obvious one, which I'm sure you've been asked a million times, but uh, will will still hold a lot of uh, cred- credibility, is you know as a hunt. Was there ever an expectation that you or your brother Tom have to take up motorsport? Not from an early age. Um, there was a there was a T-shirt Tom wore when he was when he was tiny, mm-hmm. and it said "In training for the 2006 British Grand Prix." <laughs> uh, but that was long before Dad died. I mean, I was still a baby, so Tom would have been like three or maybe four. Um, you know, my, Tom, my older brother. Um, but then after Dad died, I mean, it was it was never mentioned. I knew nothing about cars. I, you know, I was 
grew up with horses because my mum my mum was was a, from a horse horse background so I naturally grew up with horses and knew absolutely nothing about cars. My uncle Uncle Dave, he off well not often but he would he used, he would offer sometimes guys you know if you want to try casting you know I'm here to help you know I'd love to introduce mm-hmm. you to it but we never really neither of us ever had the ambition or thought about it seriously. Um, it wasn't until you know, when I was older, uh, when I was offered a drive in a racing car, mm-hmm. that was my, my, my polo career was going so badly only because of lack of lack of money. Mm-hmm. Um, then I'd actually thought, well, you know, maybe this is a better solution as a career. And, you know, I enjoy driving. I still know nothing about cars. And frankly, I've never really been, no, I've never really been that interested in cars. I'm not a petrol head. I, do, I love driving them. Um, uh, you know, a lot of people can talk for hours about this car and that car <laughs> and stuff like that. That's not that's not me at all. Um, but you know, dri- driving the car, I can I can talk I can talk for hours about racing them, about driving them, different driving technique and stuff like that. But as soon as you start talking about a gearbox, I'm not interested. <laughs> <laughs> I'm I'm I mean, yeah, I know what you mean. It 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 takes a it takes a slightly different breed to do that. But you know, my, the first time I came across your name and your famous last name, and I don't know if uh, I mentioned this to you in the emails we exchanged was. When you were racing in the MRF series, because that was a series that's pretty big back home uh, in India, and you were of course uh, racing against uh, Matthias Lauda as well, if I remember right, and it was you know portrayed as how the the two the the two sons of very famous Formula One world champions are you know going head to head, and since then, from what I've seen, you you moved to racing Porsche cars, and you know I I I, I wanted to understand you know you've chosen an unconventional series to actually build your career. So, any particular reason why you've you know taken this path? Yeah, uh, because I realised that Formula One is never I'm never going to achieve it. Um, I'm too old and too broke. Simple as that. It's just, <laughs> you know, even even if I had all the money behind me in the world, like tomorrow, if a, if a billionaire came up and said, right, I want to get you to Formula One and I don't care how much it costs, still then I don't think it would happen because I've missed out on that vital learning period when you're younger. Correct. And I think I missed that. However, in a GT car, um, I, 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 because you're not you're not looking for blistering purple pace every single lap, I still think I can, I can achieve it. Uh, and Le Mans does interest me more than Formula One now. That's another reason I, I don't want to go to Formula One anymore. A, because, because I don't think I can do it. But B, because I don't really like what it's become. Uh, it's, 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 it's not racing anymore. I mean, they're not really allowed to race. It's, it's silly. And you've got this, this ridiculous fuel consumption thing, which, don't get me wrong, I like the principle of it, but it's, 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 it's not the place for it. Formula One is not the place for conserving fuel. <laughs> uh, you know, it's a sprint race, not an endurance race. <laughs> Uh, and you know, if they're about about the, the carbon footprint of it, you know, all they've got to do is take out a few buses in London, and you, you and you've already reduced the carbon emissions a lot more than than than, than lifting just before breaking, coasting <laughs> up to a corner. You know, uh, that's correct. So, I mean, what do you think then about Formula E? Do you think that something like Formula E would be of interest to you? Possibly, yes. Um, yeah, uh, but again. You know, I'm not sure that, that you know those those guys in racing Formula E, they're, they're world class top top drivers, and they've been you know hang, ha- hammering around racetracks all their lives since they're kids. Uh, and even f- for me, you know, I'm not I'm not an untalented driver, but even with testing, testing, testing the whole time, mm-hmm. it would take a long, long time to to 
to reach their level of experience, you know. I mean, so many things that they do behind the wheel are doing without, without thinking completely. Uh, <laughs> and that's, well, that's what it takes, takes years to build that up. And that's, what, that's the disadvantage I have. Yeah, I mean, especially, you know, given how literally uh, late, uh, late teens or early adults is when people are breaking into Formula One. I totally get what you mean. As somebody who's, you know, who, who used to race himself, when you get into your 30s, your, your reflexes also tend to slide off, you know, slightly go on off the, off the cliff. But, uh, you know, with such a famous last name, did, was it ever easy or difficult for you to find sponsors to, you know, help you with your racing career? Um, absolutely, it made it, made it made it a lot easier. My well, let's be honest, the majority of my sponsors, the funding has come because of my surname. People wanted to give me a chance, uh, and my my first season, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do it with just my surname. You know, there had to be some speed there, and there and there and there is speed there. There, there was speed there uh, at the beginning when I first first started driving. I was I was quicker than than quite a lot of drivers that had been been driving for for some time. And casting and everything, and I was nearly, I was very nearly as quick as some of the real, real top drivers in Formula Ford then. So that was in testing. So they could see, the team could see, and everyone could see that there is something that could, that could be worked on here. Mm-hmm. Um, unfortunately, this is this is no secret anymore. But in those first few years, I had a very, very bad mental issue. I couldn't deliver under under pressure. Um, the pressure would get too much for me. The pressure I put on myself. Now this is where it's been a. You know, the name has been a hindrance as much as a help. It's been a help to get me on the track. Mm-hmm. On the track, it's been a massive hindrance because I, I, you know, I just wasn't used to having cameras pointing at me and people, yeah, actually taking notice of me. You know, I operated up until then. I operated my whole life as, you know, completely under the radar. And suddenly, when you're in the spotlight, everything changes. <laughs> <laughs> True, I I can imagine, but. Aside from, you know, uh, being a professional racing car driver, we've seen uh, a few videos of you hosting uh, social media, you know, uh, videos with Mika Hakkinen, Bernie Ecclestone. Uh, you know, do you aspire to turn commentator or pursue some sort, you know, some form of motorsport media in the future as well? Uh, I'm not going to say no, but it's not what I envisage. Uh, that's, that's also an honest answer which leads me to the next most interesting question which 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 will also need you to be honest is uh, who's been uh, you know your favorite formula one team and driver and it doesn't have to be linked it can be a different team and a different driver well mclaren obviously has been the team that i've always been following mostly wanting them to win um but i like the younger teams the up and coming teams williams because of its history you know i've been a fan of williams mm-hmm. uh, Man of Force India, even though I don't know anyone there personally, um, but uh, and again, I'm being completely honest. I'm not just saying this because you're Indian, but I'm very fond of the Indians. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I, every every time I've been there, is they've been wonderful, and the Indians I meet in England are always wonderful. So I've been quite I've, I've been a, been a fan of Force India. Um, in terms of drivers in the modern era. I, well, Jensen's now, Jensen's now retired, but he was one of my favourites because because I like him as a person. Um, Daniel Ricciardo, he's one of another favourite because I like him as a person. In terms of driving ability, Lewis uh, definitely I think is is you know, an incredible driver, but I'm I don't think his personality and I and, and my really see eye to eye. <laughs> <laughs> Can't say I'm his big, biggest fan, biggest fan of him off off the track. 
That's 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 pretty honest. And then, which leads me to the last question: Who do you think will win the 2018 Formula One Championship? Well, it's a tough one for me to say, partly because I haven't actually been following it this much this year. The last few years, I've been following it less and less because since all the recent rule changes and and the way and new rules introduced for the last few years, it's become more and more boring for me. So I've been following it less. I've been still been keeping half an eye on it. I mean, it's 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 obvious to say that it's definitely be, be Lewis or, or or Vettel, but I've I've got a gut feeling Vettel will do it this year. Um, I might be well wrong, and that they're both driving really really well. I know that, uh, and the cars are pretty close. So it's going to be it's anyone's game. If I had to bet, I'd rather not bet. <laughs> I'd rather <laughs> have to make a decision, put some money on one or the other. But if, if I really had to, I'd have to put it on Vettel. I think. Uh, that's pretty honest. Thank you for such an honest uh, time, uh, Freddie. You know, it in in the world of professional racing car drivers who are told what to say. It's it's good to see you. You know, say what's on your mind. I guess that's a that's something that's a trait you get from your dad as well. And it's been it's been yeah. it's been lovely to have you on the show. I know we've been trying to put this in schedule for a few months, but uh, uh, I'm sure in the in in the summer break of Formula One, this is going to be a treat for our listeners as well. Thank you. Good. Well, thank you very much. Thank you so much, Kunal. Thank you so much, Freddie. I absolutely loved that conversation. And you know that story where uh, James flew a helicopter to save a lady's arm? That was so touching. Such an unexpected side to James's personality. I know. And, you know, I also liked how Freddie was, you know, honest, just like his father. And uh, he was, you know, even more honest about having a famous last name and how it's actually worked for him. And how it actually didn't work for him as well. And then, of course, he's, he was very honest about, you know, the modern day Formula One that we sometimes go cribbing on and on about. Yeah. Kunal, I really wonder how James Hunt would have fit into the current scheme of things, you know, in Formula One. <laughs> <laughs> it's a worthy thought. <laughs> and I wonder how much more popular would James have been if social media was around in his era. <laughs> On that note, ladies and gentlemen, thank you so much for tuning in. We've had a fantastic time speaking to Freddie Hunt, talking about James Hunt, his career, his life, and and a few incidents that define James Hunt, the driver, the person, and the personality that we have known all of, you know we have known and wanting to know more all about all along. So. We will be back next week in the week before the Belgian Grand Prix. I'm not sure about Mithila, but I know for <laughs> sure that I am heading to Spa. Have a good week. Me, 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 but also you. The Pharaoh fast forwards his favorite foreign film. Hip, 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 powder donut. <clears throat> okay, what's my line? Uh, the only line I see here on the script is get options based on your budget with the name your price tool from Progressive. Oh man, that's a tongue twister, huh? I'm sorry, I'm gonna need a few more minutes. <clears throat> bulbous walrus, the bulbous walrus. The name your price tool, only from Progressive. The owl and a foul of the comatose coxswain. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law.